Welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen, the fun music and food podcast where anything can happen. We're cooking today with the amazingly compassionate songwriter and performer, Naomi LaViolette. We're meeting her high in the lush green hills, just south of Portland at the Campbell Lane Winery. Naomi's received national acclaim around her work with Steve Goodwin and the Saving His Music Project, and also for the Oregon Symphony's Lullaby Project, helping homeless moms through music. We've now successfully saved most of his music, and it's kind of neat because it's like, that's the battle Alzheimer's didn't win. And we feel, um, we feel a lot of joy from it. It's, it's, like a, it's like the light on the other side of the darkness with the disease. The family-owned Campbell Lane Winery features Oregon wines such as Pinot Gris and Rosé made from 33-year-old Willamette Valley vines. We're going to figure out what wine goes best with Naomi's go-to healthy fish bowls with homemade aioli and veggies. With three kids and an extremely busy performance schedule, how does she find the time to work out, stay healthy, and cook? Come with me and let's find out. Hey, Marty. How are you? I'm great. We are here in this stunning, and I mean stunning, kitchen at the Campbell Lane Winery. And we're here with Tracy. Thank you so much for hosting um, this podcast interview in this stunning place. Pleasure to have you here. Yeah. We're in Westland, Oregon, about uh, maybe 20 minutes south of Portland. So super easy drive. Great to visit. Little pitch already. <laughs> we love it. All right. Well, um, it looks like we already have wine poured and rice on the stove. You're ready to go. Oh yeah. Um, and I think I think everyone's feeling ready for a nice glass of wine. Really? Okay. What are we going to start with? Well, I, I believe Tracy has poured the rosé. Ooh, go we'll start with our Pinot Rosé. It's a rosé of Pinot Noir Ooh. from um, grapes that are grown here. Uh, on the south slope, we're on a south-facing slope. Uh huh. Does that mean it gets more sun or less sun? Yeah. Or? Sun, and then the soil um, that we have here, and just the slope that we have here is um, very conducive to uh, certainly the Pinot Noir that Oregon is known for, and Pinot Gris as well. That's great. Well, all right. Here you go, Naomi. Thank Here's you. There's a glass and these beautiful Campbell Lane winery glasses. Love it. I'll open some more. Oh, one more? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to make it through this interview. So, uh, Naomi, and um, I just want to raise a toast to being on the podcast, Marty's Music Kitchen. Um, and I have to say a thank you, too, for all of your help, because um, you've been a great uh, fan of mine and supporter. And I know you listen to every show before <laughs> anyone else does. I really appreciate that. So here's to um, good friends. So cheers. cheers. And new friends. So cheers. Well, Marty, it's it's because I'm a patron. And I love getting the episodes early. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that you have found your thing with this podcast. Well, thank you. I think it's you're so talented at it. You're so good at connecting people that all I want to do is just keep you encouraged and <laughs> all the things possible. Aww, see, this is why I keep you around. You're good for my ego. I thank you so much. This is super fun for me. Music and food, you know, they're both that creative thing. We bring them together with a little uh, fantastic wine, which this is, mm. by the way. Thank you very much. I'm going to say... I'll throw an educational piece in, which is we're Scottish Gaelic. Campbell mm. is the family. And so when you do a cheers next time up here, it's Slantaba is Ooh. the Scottish Gaelic cheers. Can we oh, try really? that? Slantaba? Slantaba. Slantaba. Say I've heard of for the Irish. Really? So Slantaba. Slantaba. All right, here we go. Slantaba. Slantaba. Woo-hoo. <laughs> this is an outstanding rosé. My compliments to your winemaker. And wow, this we'll is pass that on to her. This is so good. You said it's made from Pinot Gris grapes. This is actually made from a Pinot Noir grape, so Pinot it's Noir. a rosé of Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a big deal for us because uh, my father and mom planted the first 4,000 vines of Pinot Gris by hand, um, hand watered them with milk cartons, like. 30 plus years ago and then this is the first harvest of Pinot Noir that has come off of this property then then this is the first year that we've had a Pinot Rosé so this is the this is the maiden voyage for the Pinot Rosé well done maiden voyage yes Yes, very well done all right this is going to go with your dish which is it's called fish bowls and I mean it's (laughs) it's just this fun dish that 
seems to go over really well whenever we have company. I kind of created it myself and it's really simple and it works well with a lot of dietary restrictions, let's just uh, say. So you can have a big group of people and it's going to work for just about anyone. All right. And people like it. Okay, well, we so, have all these colors on the counter. We've got limes and cabbage and avocado. And of course, um, the fish, what kind of fish is it? This is cod and it's wild, which I only ever buy wild fish. Okay. Um, and I, I made sure to kind of make sure there weren't any big bones in it because uh -huh. we're going to put this in a bowl with a bunch of other stuff. And so it's a little harder to keep track of the bones in a fish when it's in this setting. Because right. it's kind of a big part of big mishmash of stuff. Right. So um, I got the, the bones out as best I could and then covered it with orange slices, lemon slices, and then this, all this white stuff is just little uh, drops of coconut oil that will melt as it cooks. Oh. Gives it a really nice flavor. Because yeah. cod is pretty mild. And you're using that in place of butter. Yeah, yeah. So this dish is dairy-free, gluten-free, and then, um, you know, if you have vegetarians, a lot of times vegetarians will eat fish. They'll be pescatarians, so they mm -hmm. could eat that. But then there's also, if, they, if they're completely vegetarian, they cannot eat the fish. There's a lot of other things they could put in their fish bowl. I guess it wouldn't be a fish bowl then. It'd be a bowl of yumminess. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. but we should get this there's in the oven. Okay, great, let's do it. So you've just covered it with the citrus and the coconut, drops of coconut oil. Yeah. And then you know, go in the I oven. I actually could use a little sprinkle of salt on this. Right. You have some salt I could borrow, Tracy? What's your, what's your oven at? 350. All right. Yeah, I'm just gonna. And about how long is this gonna take to bake? Yeah, I would say this amount is maybe 20 minutes, but you just kind of gotta test it till it's flaking. Mm -hmm. And did you say this was, what, like a pound, two pounds? I did, uh, it's like a pound and a quarter. Okay. Because I fig they say a, a serving of fish is about five, four to six ounces. So okay. I figured there are about four of us here. All right, I'll get the oven Pretty for sure. you. Ready? Okay, here goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we've got the rice going on the stove. It should be about done, actually. Wow, through the magic of... Actually, no, you had this started before I got here, right? I did, because <laughs> cooking rice is not that exciting, but yeah. it's the base of the bowl, yes. <laughs> so we needed to have it ready to go. All right, so what else do we need to do? We're just going to prep all the toppings. So okay. what's kind of neat about this, as especially as a dish for a group or for company, is you you're, you have your base of the rice and mm -hmm. the fish, mm -hmm. and then you have all these selections of toppings. You can make it exactly how you want. You can leave something off if you don't like it. You can put lots of something if you really like it. And uh, it's really colorful too. We've All got right. limes, we've got red cabbage, we've got avocado, onion, black beans, cilantro, and then this is kind of fun. Okay. I brought. I noticed this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of on a whim decided a few days ago to make some sprouts. Okay. And I had these radish seeds. So these have been sprouting for about five days, and radishes are actually a really nice option on the fishbowl because they're kind of peppery and uh -huh. spicy. Uh -huh. And bees have that radish spice to them. Do they really? Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to open Go the jar right now one. and try one because I can. And sprouting foods are really, really healthy because they're alive. And I guess so you just put the seeds in here with a little water. Yeah, you have to soak them, and then oh, after cool. they soak for about good choice. Isn't that oh. great choice? Yeah. This is my first time making radish sprouts. It tastes like radishes. And it's so beautiful. I mean, the yeah. color contrast, a little bit of red, a little mm -hmm. green. Got that, mm. um, that, got that little bit of a bite to it. That's great. Yeah, after you really kind of mm. get into the crunch of them, it kind of, there's the spice right there. Yeah, I'm going to do that sometime. And you just have them in a jar? So, yeah, I mean, I when I sprouted them, I had a, a green this sprouting lid and it has holes in it. So, oh, cause you okay. have to rinse them a couple times. You kind of have to babysit them, honestly. Uh, rinse them a couple times a day as they're sprouting. And so the lid that has the holes in it is really helpful because you can just fill it up, turn it over, fill it up, turn it over. And okay. Pretty simple. All right. And I mean, I have the red cabbage for mostly for color. Uh -huh. You could do regular cabbage. You could also do a mango. I checked the mangoes today at the store. They were not. They weren't happy. They were not happy today. So I don't even get know a how to tell if a mango is happy or not. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And you could also do uh, tomatoes, tomatoes for tomato salsa. Uh -huh. um, any type of hot sauce you prefer. I usually, when I do this, I'll set out some 
salsa and Tabasco and sriracha and sort of whatever people nice. like to fire it up if they want to. Okay. Um, so yeah, we just need to prep a few things. Great, let's get chopping. Now, um, as she starts to kind of get this stuff ready, I know that you had a very long time ago some kind of a long class or something with the James Beard chef school? I don't know, what do they have? Actually, it was an intensive that was for six weeks in San Francisco and it was about, it was about 40 years ago. Maybe, I'm thinking it was about five years before he passed. Ah. Um, So he, he was there every day and um, sat. He didn't do a lot of hands-on teaching. He did a lot of talking to us and then we would do the um, participatory instructions on based on what he was teaching us delightful man and um it was a really a really special time and you have to kind of look back uh i look back and remember it as like i think the cuisinart came out right about that time maybe maybe four years before i mean Uh and that was like that was like it revolutionary revolutionary and so if you look at the science that has changed um, cooking and the local sourced ingredients that have changed cooking and the creativity that um, different people can bring to cooking. The science and then the technology and then the tools. Yeah. It's profound to watch um, and really fun to watch. I had uh, catered after that time with catering. I lived in Bend and then life kind of took another course and I've always loved to cook. Um, that's another story, how I got into it, or maybe another time, or okay. maybe... Okay. Um, but, uh... Wow, yeah. I can't even... You're like a caterer, too, or were, in a past life. In a past life. Wow, yeah. that is so... And, and Naomi's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you, Naomi. And you, I just you make, make really basic food. <laughs> that's okay. Um, are you going to be critiquing Naomi later today? Never. Okay, great. Oh, well, I'm already... Sure. It's just the, the beautiful color and the contrast and then something... Um, these remind me of like in my high school era was the, the first ball? time you would uh, sprout alfalfa sprouts though. So oh yeah, we well did. in the seventies. Exactly. You know, when I was so. growing up, we used to sprout sprouts, not these radish sprouts, but alfalfa sprouts. Al- was it alfalfa? alfalfa sprouts. Yeah, because yeah. I had a very sprouts. mild. But more alfalfa sprouts, and you put them in salads, and that was. And had kind of was... a mild flavor. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know, can you still buy sprouts in stores? There's something that you can't buy anymore because it's too dangerous. Yeah, they've taken off of, like in the last two years, there's oh, been this big movement. Oh, like ones that have already sprouted. And yeah. Yeah, there was like, they recalled a bunch of bean sprouts a lot for quite a while. Do they not sell those anymore? You can get them, they're very difficult to get. So you and have some, to- like, Some of the local stores like or chain stores, like Fred Meyer doesn't carry them at all and won't carry them. You can get them at market of choice, but I think that's what you're talking about. There was a huge yeah. recall on wow. bean sprouts. Wow, so which smart is... on you, Naomi, for sprouting your own. Yeah, yeah, there's nobody telling me I can't sprout at home. So how would we sprout, like, bean sprouts? Do you get I seeds? I have those going at home right now. Really? Yeah. Do you, well, where do you buy the seeds for it? You know, I was given a bunch of seeds uh, recently as a gift, and I think she probably got them at, you know, new seasons or something. I, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question, hmm. to tell I you. I think it's pretty... I mean, to sprout either a bean or a seed, I mean, mm-hmm. it's certainly worth a try. There's not a lot of them that wouldn't sprout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how would you? Totally you can sprout lentils. Just get a bag of lentils. How do you avoid going? having salmonella grown beans instead uh, of, you know, I mean, is that a danger for homegrown stuff? Well, I'm not, I, I will give you an answer, but I'm not saying that this is the right answer. I would think that that would be more of a cleanliness or something that was going on in um, a mass production. Okay. Yeah. Something were that was, it was out of your control. So spreading your own beans is healthy and the way to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. very much. I mean, they say that with the live enzymes that are present in something that's growing as you're eating it, uh-huh. just is really good for all sort of gut health. You know, um, it's interesting that you bring that up, Naomi, because a few years ago I started reading all about the new studies that have come out. We have a really great local hospital, OHSU, Oregon Health and Science University, and I have read a lot of research around the link between gut bacteria and Alzheimer's disease and cancer and things like that. And the reason I stumbled into it was they were trying to figure out why people were having a blood sugar spike even if they were eating a sweetener, like a fake, like uh, sweetener that you know, like a chemical. What's a sweetener? Equal, I guess. Nutrition. Or sweet low, sweet, sweet low or whatever. Be, yeah. um, it, it's because the gut bacteria 
still registered it as sweet mm. and communicated the same chemical signal to your brain that, right? that it was sugar huh. when it really wasn't sugar. So the whole point of that was, oh, it's sugar-free, but yet if you treat it, your gut bacteria, you can train them to think it's sugar. And the only way to get rid of that is to like wipe out your gut bacteria. So you either have to fast or do, like, what do they call cleanse it? Yeah, a cleanse. Or if you got sick, you know, with antibiotics, um, you had to take those. You had an opportunity to start growing healthy bacteria all over again. So that's kind of how I stumbled into that. And then it turns out there's all this link between gut bacteria and preventing cancer, preventing Alzheimer's and all of those um, aging brain sciences. In fact, Naomi, you have done a lot of work around music and the aging brain. Yeah, well, there's, there's two things I've been a part of. One of them is the Saving is Music Project and that's with Steve Goodwin, right? Right. And he's a composer with early onset Alzheimer's. Uh-huh. Who is uh, kind of been partnering with me. He and his family have been partnering with me over the last four years to have me learn his compositions from him and get them recorded because he was losing the ability to play them due, due to the disease. Right. And he, and he really had just played them for his own enjoyment, for his family, and not really. Never read them down? Just maybe a couple he had scored out many, many years ago, mm -hmm. and a couple he had this really, really kind of old recording from the 80s of a few of his songs, but the bulk of them that the family had enjoyed, there was there was no recording of them. Right, any sort so of it was gonna be this huge, not only were they losing him as a person, they were losing the sound of him and his expression of love through music. Mm-hmm, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was bad enough that he had the disease and they knew they were going to lose him to the disease, but then to also lose the music was like a double tragedy. Aww. So um, we've now successfully saved most of his music. And it's kind of neat because it's like, that's the battle Alzheimer's didn't win. And we feel, um, we feel a lot of joy from it. It's, it's, yeah. like a, it's like the light on the other side of the darkness with the disease. <sighs> That just, you know, I've been to an Oregon Repertory Singers concert where you featured um, one of the pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you wrote lyrics to a melody of his, um, something about a flower. What was it? Melancholy flower. Melancholy flower. And, um, Which is a play on words. Is it? Melancholy flower. Oh. That's good for a food podcast. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> well, then I'm glad I brought it up. Yeah, it was so poignant and moving. And I know with Steve in the audience, I mean, there wasn't, I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. We were all just like weeping. I'm getting goosebumps telling you about it. It was so powerful and moving. You know, it's, it's to me, I've just been helping a friend. Yeah. And so it's kind of a... Well, um, it was amazing that it's turned into so much more than that when it really was just... It was your friend and her dad, mm -hmm. right? That's how you fell one into of my, this? One of my very dearest friends was his daughter. Uh. And she just told me one day, not even thinking any, anything would come of it, just how sad she was about her dad's music right. being lost. And yeah. I just said, well, maybe I can help. Oh. That's all and it really was. And you got it soon enough that you can. Mm -hmm. And you did. And mm -hmm. you have. So while we've been chit-chatting about the music, we've been watching you diligently making <laughs> all this food, and it looks like you have red cabbage and onion. I did a yellow, sweet onion for this onion. one, and, and I've done regular onion too. What is this? Cilantro. Cilantro. And then um, it looks like, is this mayo? It is. So that's the next step is I'm going to make the aioli sauce with that mayo. Okay. I'll and you're next. slicing up avocados. Mm-hmm. They There's, look this gorgeous. Is, this is such a simple meal. I mean, all these toppings are just a single ingredient. Mm. I don't really even do much to them other than prep them. So did you um, cook a lot um, when you were growing up here? I mean, with your family? Um, that's a great question. That's a, that segue back into that story of another time. My mom was a fabulous cook, <laughs> absolutely fabulous cook. We, I'm the youngest of three siblings. We grew up in Oswego, uh -huh. and we would do monthly grocery shopping. Monthly, monthly wow. One, at Weiser's, which is no wow. longer there in oh, Oswego. I, yes, I remember Weiser's. Okay. Oh. And we'd have like three carts, and part of it was planning and monetary things. Part of it was teaching us to maybe control our eating habits, but of course we ate our favorite cereals like the first week out and then it was like, 
Sorry, no more. She was really keen on Smart recycling. <laughs> and we would like clean out the cans, take out the paper off the cans, smash them up. She would drive them somewhere in Clackamas County. We long did that. before. Yeah. yeah, you did that as well? Yeah. Okay, so they were also, and I wasn't as grateful or appreciative when I was growing up, but I'm very grateful now in terms of work ethics. And one of them was we had a chore. We had to do chores. We could choose the chore, and then we had to do it for a year. So if you were on bathroom cleaning duty, you did it for a year. And when I was a junior, maybe a sophomore or junior in high school, I said, I have a chore I want to do. I want to make dinner. And could that be my chore for a year? And they thought about that for a while and said, okay. I didn't have to cook on weekends. I had weekends off. But otherwise, I cooked dinner for the family. Um, and okay, well, now how year. old were you? Uh, probably sophomore going into a junior in high school. I am so impressed. I One with your mother's parenting skills. She was amazing. I mean, you darn. chat with I mean, my son and daughter about this idea? <laughs> I like that. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Do you have, you have budding cooks? Your I daughter have, likes My daughter's to cook. a budding baker. Is she really? She loves to bake. Yeah, my listeners know I am not a baker. They, I am a cook through and through. So, well, um, uh, tell me more about what kind of, what became your go-to meals to cook for the family? Oh, gosh. Chicken was a, chicken was probably something with chicken. Um, uh-huh. Some pasta. We had a, I mean, we had a really well-equipped kitchen, and mom <clears throat> was always flexible in terms of me finding, like, a different recipe or let's try this. Uh-huh. And uh, so she would help me with the things that I didn't know how to do. And then it's very gratifying because you've got family members that are very appreciative and you get a lot of positive feedback. You had foodies uh, in your family. A foodie family. And my sister did the dishes that year. <laughs> so that was, she wasn't all that keen about how was that went Was it three down. girls? I have an older brother and an older sister. Mm-hmm. And so um, did your older brother eat half what you prepared? He can still. Um, still can? He, he's thin <laughs> as a rail, uh, but he, yeah, he can he can put it away. Naomi, so. you, have a, you have a son who's growing taller oh every goodness. day. Yes. Does he pack away the food? Sometimes. Sometimes he, and well, the thing, he's kind of a late night eater. We'll have dinner, you know, around 6.37, and then at 9, he's like, I want to eat again. <laughs> and I will just clean the kitchen. I want to go to bed. And I'm like, fry yourself an egg. And he'll be in there at 9.30, 10 at night, making eggs. So like, there, he's going to make a he's gonna make a living as a short order cook yeah. um, in his teenage years. That's what he's going to do. Making yeah. breakfast, frying eggs <laughs> at 2 in the morning. All right, so what's next on this uh, cooking adventure? Okay, so... This is, let's make the aioli. This okay. is just a, it's really simple. It's just mayonnaise uh-huh. and lime juice, uh-huh. a little salt, and zest as well, because we want it really limey. So I'm going to zest two of these. Okay. And then use the juice of four of them. Wow. And I'll save one for garnish. Okay. Because I brought five today. And honestly, it's like, I, I mean, I... I sort of have a recipe for this, but you can see how it doesn't really require much measuring at all. It's no. Kind of it's um, chop and go. Chop and go. Love it. And it's kind of what you have and what looked good at the grocery store. I mean, these avocados I bought today, but I, and I couldn't believe it. They were perfect. Oh, they are. Because mm, usually beautiful. avocados aren't the yeah. day you get them. So how do you tell, like, what does the perfect avocado look like in its skin? It's more how it feels, it's, especially at the that's what I do. Yeah. Really? It's, and then um, the the color, like if it starts browning, right? That's a sign that it's over overdone. Okay. Um, and then it's so the stem, and the it's the it's the kind of the te- when you press on them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So you're holding the peel in your hand. Is this a good color? It is a good color. And this is kind of a. It's not. It's still really pretty firm. I think. Um, I bet it wasn't when you press them. And I'm going to get over here to my. These you have are, a stash of avocados? Well, because I just bought them today. Oh. And they're very, they aren't ripe, right? So okay. the And you're hiding little, them in a paper bag in a dark cupboard? And they will ripen usually like overnight. I did not this. know that yeah. trick. So that. they're a little brighter green. They haven't gotten to sort of a deeper green. I see this. And then and these, hard. and they're hard. But so you tomorrow? Bought them by tomorrow, paper bag. And I can't remember what it is chemically that happens uh, to them. I'd have to look that up on the internet. Was uh, that a, a like a 
food, a plant hormone called ethylene or something. I don't know if I remember that from like Some ninth grade apple. botany or food science. What? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like if you have one apple in a bag that's rotten and the rest are not, it'll it'll make them all go rotten, rotten. really fast or something because yeah. it has a lot of that food plant hormone or something like that. See, who knew? Naomi. Who knew? Food <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right. Well, I just don't like yeah. fruit that's going right. bad together. All right, put them back in the bag and, and then and then you just don't want to forget they're there because then if you forget they're there and you go in three days, then then you have automatic guacamole yeah. in your cupboard <laughs> in a dark bag. What is one of your top favorite meals to cook still? Oh gosh. Uh, paella. <laughs> really? Okay, that is paella. not an easy dish. I love paella. Because you've got to get that, I mean, the saffron, and the saffron's expensive, for one, but um, you've got to get all those ingredients just so perfectly balanced. Do you have, like, a, a secret? My mom. <laughs> that was one of her favorite dishes. She was a Spanish linguistic major, uh -huh. and they did a lot of traveling, and I have a huge stash of saffron from their traveling. Um, but that was something that she always did, and um, I just always love to emulate. Mom. So, yeah. Mom. Actually, you know, one of Naomi's songs, Naomi, is it called Sunrise? Mm -hmm. That is one of my favorite songs that she's ever written. And mm -hmm. um, it is about her. Let, let me see if I got the story right, Naomi. Kay. It's about a sunrise coming up. And she wrote it looking out her kitchen window at the sunrise and wondering if her mother was looking at the same ah. thing. Isn't that wonderful? That's very wonderful. Did I tell yeah. it right? Yeah. Right. And we both just love it. We send photos of it to each other whenever it's a good one. And you know, compare, kind of compare what it's like at both of our houses. So you see our mayonnaise has now, is now not mayonnaise It's a dressing. All. It's very much a dressing, because I added so much lime juice. So it's more like a creamy so lime sauce. So the zest of two limes and mm -hmm. the juice of four limes. Mm -hmm. And that looks, I'm going to say, what, like a cup of mayonnaise? Yeah. Did you oh, use fat-free or just cups. straight oh, up? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you got to use the real thing. The fat, yeah. Tracy, if you have any salt, we might want to throw a little in this as well. I wonder if we should check the fish. It's been in there about 20 minutes. Great you idea. Think? Let's All right, check let's it. Check it. So um, how do you know when it's done? Well, you can test it with a thermometer to 145, or you can just see if it's starting to kind of pull apart and flake. But I'm thinking it needs a little more it time. It looks like it needs a little more yeah. time. Yeah. I see a guitar in the corner. Does that need enough time for you to sing a song? It, it probably Ooh. needs at least that. The Marty's Music Kitchen podcast is brought to you in cooperation with Oregon Music News. So let me just start by saying that um, the song Everything is Brighter, we're playing on the intro of the show today, and um, that's off one of your more recent CDs, right? Yes, that is from the, my most recent full-length record, and I released it three months ago, February 2019. It's fresh and sparkly new. Yes, and it's, <laughs> it was made, it's my first live CD as well, too. I did a concert with five members of the Organ Symphony last uh -huh. November at the mm -hmm. Old Church in Portland, and we recorded it and turned it into a CD. And the Everything is Brighter song exists in a studio recording for, uh, form. It was one of the singles I released last year. I've been I've been releasing songs more regularly uh -huh. through uh, Patreon, releasing them to my patrons, but also as singles on iTunes and Spotify. And so I'm just getting more music out more often. We've mentioned Patreon earlier in this podcast. Mm -hmm. And Patreon, uh, for listeners who don't know, it's if you think of a patron of the arts, uh, like Michelangelo had patrons. It's a similar thing for modern times to support creators um, like you, songwriter, songstress. So when you're talking about your patrons, you're talking about the people that support you through this platform, yeah. Yeah, it's really neat because it's a way to get just a little bit more connected to a creative person beyond whatever they might just be releasing out for the rest of the world to enjoy. You can share or I like to share the writing process of when I'm working on a song and kind of my, they'll see a lot more of my notes on it and what I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more about what's about. They'll, they'll see what it's like to be in the studio. Mm -hmm. I also sh will share um, sometimes 
music charts from it if people want to because people ask me can I get a like a basic guitar chart for your song uh -huh. so I'll share those freely with patrons and uh, instrumental tracks as well so yeah it's I'm just actually place... one of your patrons too so I know and I love seeing the posts that come through on my email and I'm like oh what is, what is she doing today mm -hmm. Ooh, this is interesting Ooh, I love that song yeah. So, and I often comment on them too, like, oh, great start to that song. I love the melody. And I, I love, love the it. comments because it's building a community around creativity. So this song I was going to share, though, um, live with everyone here on the podcast is my most recent single release. It just came out last month. Woohoo! My first single of 2019. And I, and I try to do, I'm trying to do four singles a year. Okay. So they're, they're somewhat inspired by the season, but also a lot of times just inspired by something I'm working through uh -huh. and need to process. And I use songwriting as the way to process it, which is very much the case with this song. And what's the name of the song? It's called To Say Goodbye. To Say Goodbye. Poetry is a beautiful thing. And I, I care a lot about the words I choose. And I did a lot of research actually before I wrote this song, just to different Did you sayings. really? I did. I, huh. I looked at different sayings about death from a, very, a lot of different religious perspectives. I also interviewed people mm -hmm. that had recently lost loved ones. Right. And, and then I just really tapped into my own That's amazing fear that you did that. As well. And so I have, whenever I write a song, I have probably 30 times more words than I actually need for the actual lyrics and poetry. And you'll notice with this song, the, the first verse is kind of some sayings. Um, dust to dust, um, kind of the cycle of, of um, leaves falling and feeding the ground and um, the circle of life and light and darkness, yin and yang. You know, all, that's all kind of in the first, sort of this, okay, this head knowledge that I'm trying to wrap my head around the concept of death. And then, is that enough to help me, really? Because when I get into the second verse, it's about someone I love. When yeah. I think about... Like, about someone that's real. About somebody, like I think about like one of my children. I like, I stop breathing if I even consider something happening to one of them or, you know, just people that I really care about. Um, you know, I hope that what I know will help me. Yep. On the other side of that, but... What you feel in your heart is right. Yeah. So I uh, really felt that I have kind of avoided the topic of death for a long time in my life. Uh -huh. And, you know, you can only do that for so long because yeah. it's one of those things that we all have to figure out how we're going to deal with it, how we're going to process it. Not only um, people we love that die, but our own, our own death eventually and how to just get to a place where I'm not so afraid of it, honestly. And so I thought I'm going to try and write a song about death. And many people have done this over the years. There's Requiems, there's, there's so many other composers that have done this before me. So I, I felt like I was kind of joining the club a little bit of using music to process something that's really big and really hard and really difficult and, you know, yeah. but something we've got to all wrap our minds around. So yeah, I've done that. I wrote a song called Rain mm -hmm. uh, before my own father died. Um, and I was contemplating his passing because he had congestive heart failure and um, it was a few years before he uh, passed but um, that's what that song is about so I, love that I was song. thinking oh I haven't written any songs about death and I was like well wait a minute actually mm -hmm. it was it was about saying goodbye and saying I love you to the people that you have right now and you have a beautiful music video with it I too love you, I love it all right well let's hear your beautiful music okay Say goodbye 
talk because I'm crying. <laughs> it's a sad one, that's for sure. But sometimes I've heard that um, people actually really like sad songs. I think it's like we want to feel, we want to feel something and maybe we don't really want to feel it all day long, but for five minutes, it's like this release. Yeah. Of just like, I can feel something. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, particularly around illness or passing, it's like you have all these thoughts that you're trying to make sense of or um, put in some sort of a, um, a sequence. And so, like you said, to be able to have um, just the, the music and the words to help make sense of it mm -hmm. and help um, process it and help have hope around it, to be honest, mm -hmm. um, rather than be fearful of it. Those are such good points. That's a, that's, Gosh. yes. It's helping process. And I think that's part of um, this kind of music too, is it's helping other people process their own grief. And that's what I've learned is that if I need to learn something, <laughs> you know, this is something I really needed to work through. And if I can share what I need to learn, yeah, there's probably, going to be other people that need to learn the same thing and, and I can just help them by being vulnerable, really. Right. Um, that's a, with that, whatever that's, I'm struggling through. I'm telling you, that's an amazing gift uh, to share is vulnerability and not everyone can do that. So yeah, yay you. And it's oh. well done. And I'm so proud of you. Well, so. it's, it's um, in many ways just something I needed to do for myself too. Right. <clears throat> so while you've been singing... Um, the fish was saved from the oven. Thank you so much Absolutely. for pulling it out. And uh, how does it look? Perfection. Really? It's like the, the flakes are kind of 
sliding off each other. Is the best really? Way. Let's go that check it out. Absolutely. So we're back gorgeous. in the kitchen, and Naomi's putting away her guitar, and we're all weeping silently still. But <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's all good. I'm gonna pour myself a little more rosé. Unless we're this is good, right? With fish rosé. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. They have an amazing Pinot Gris here too. So. Really? We what's your, to, what's we your favorite year? We test it with yeah, the exactly. dish as well. <laughs> what's your What's your favorite year of Pinot Gris here? You know, I thought it was 2015, and then I was here for Mother's Day, and I liked 2016 that day. So I think it kind of changes on the on the on day. The, on, well, you know, I understand that um, the grapes change according to what the weather patterns were, whether it was hotter that summer or we had a, a wet spring. Um, is this true? Oh, so true. Yeah. And the, the harvest time and, yeah, how long they, they end up staying on the vine. And, um, and I, I'm often surprised, too, just that, like, a minor difference in elevation can make a huge difference in the way the grapes develop. True. And then... We, because we're quite high here, we're like 739 feet here uh -huh. at the top. And uh -huh. then the vineyard goes down to about 300. Considering Portland is at sea level, mostly, yeah. yes. <laughs> so we get the benefit of um, much cooler nights for longer time. We tend to be later in the harvest season than the valley floor. Okay. Um, so and that just, gives the grapes a chance to kind of, I don't mature know. And, mature. There, there's the yep. word I was looking for. So as an artist... Um, it sounds like you are a creative, um, did you say you paint? Yeah, a little bit, but it's more with card, you know, card making. It's like music in some way. I mean, music just, it feeds your soul, it opens your soul, um, it gives you an expression for your soul and uh -huh. your mind, and I think um, anything artistic or color uh, makes my heart happy. Uh, yeah. I love that. So. Well, to me, it's all creative. I mean, that's one mm -hmm. of the reasons that, you know, the food goes so well with the music and art, really. Yeah. Um, it's all that, uh, the range of um, creativity and emotion and feelings and the way you feel when you taste good food and the way you feel when you hear music or see incredible art that speaks to you. Um, to me, it's all the same source. It's like the same well we draw from. You know what I mean? I do. And then you weave in the, the relationships that uh, weave together around that, whether it's food or art or music. Uh, it's so conducive to all of that. Yeah. You are a wise woman. <laughs> all right, so Naomi, you are um, dishing this up. You've got a little rice in a bowl with a beautiful chunk of this fish and black beans. Yes, yeah, it's kind of like building a work of art when you build the fishbowl. Yeah. Okay. And it's kind of fun, okay. actually, to do. And when you have guests over, I don't everyone know, I'm can... Feeling, I'm feeling pressure, the building a work of art. And the, you can, <laughs> they can build it however you want. You can literally just, like, not make it... You can dump everything in no particular way, but uh -huh. I like to kind of make a pretty little mosaic of toppings. Okay. And then as you eat it, it all kind of combines. Alrighty. If you don't like one of the toppings, just skip it, you know? It's very much... Like a sort of a buffet-style thing that you do with the toppings. Well, it smells fantastic. I can smell the citrus. I can't wait to taste um, the radish seed sprouts and all the different flavors. So, yeah, I'm going to build one so that you guys can kind of see how it can look. All right. The radish sprouts are, are definitely just a, an addition for today because I don't always have them. Well, they take work. Fun. They're labor intensive. They, you have to grow them <laughs> for, you know, five days. Thank you. So you get your toppings all sort of situated around here. And then you're going to drizzle the lime aioli all over everything. You know, I usually put a little alcohol in my dressing. Oh, go for it. But I don't know that I put it in a mayo dressing, but in most dressings I usually, or soups or pretty much anything. And that's what I do with actually the older bottles of wine if I don't, uh, the sin that it is not to go through an entire bottle of red, um, but you know, um, I don't always. So I, if you keep that on the counter, you can use that to cook with. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can let it sit for however long and just hang out of that bottle and then um, um, use it for cooking as opposed, for, as opposed to drinking after yeah. it's passed its prime awesome. little bit. All right, so what are we gonna do with this bowl? Are you gonna let me taste it? Yes, right. I, I've built it for so, you. Oh, you, you did? All if, right. If uh, you want to maybe put a little salt and pepper on the top, that might be nice. Okay. And uh, I didn't bring any of the hot sauces, but there's plenty of fire I'm in sure there with spice. the radish sprouts and the onions. And um, 
All right. Well, I'm just uh, going to want to get a little bit of each mm -hmm. topping and taste all right. it all together. All so right. It's all good. Okay. I have to pile this all on my fork. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> you can really taste the lime. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, and the black beans, perfect with this. So perfect. And the rice is like, it's like your canvas. Yes. Right? You just make kind of a, a really flat bed of it in the bottom of the bowl. Mm. And it's kind of fun to have some big bowls that, you know, it really is, it really is kind of a one, one dish sort of thing. You don't even need a side dish. I mean, I actually feel could, but. kind of guilty that I'm eating in front of you too, but when do we get to maybe not. Go it's ahead and dill the fish bowl. <laughs> oh, wow. Naomi, this is outstanding. <laughs> I'm, I'm going like to make it. these at home. Well, it's very, very simple. And, and, I, and mm. I think that I hope your listeners like that it's, it's really accessible for it, anyone to make. And, it was super and the, easy. And the toppings are kind of mm. also a lot of options with them, mm -hmm. depending on what you like. I wasn't sure I was going to like the onion with it, but it's got that sweetness to it that's really quite good. Yeah, and in a way, it's like you have everything that would be in pico de gallo except for tomatoes and jalapenos. So you could also put a pico on this mm -hmm. if you want to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. And then the hot sauces that you mentioned. So, mm -hmm. um, Tracy, would you add anything else? Well, for my husband, I would. It would be um, chili flakes. He would be adding yeah, oh. to some chili flakes or something <laughs> yeah, like that. I, but the same yeah, thing as a sauce, everything. a hot sauce, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, do you have any? I mean, that's kind of just something oh, yeah. to, so is to this put Tracy, out. Is this Tracy? Throw it on there. Oh, yeah. Campbell, Campbell yeah. Lane Winery approved fish it's bowls. gorgeous. Yeah. Well, Naomi. Well, we should maybe we should have another event out here and we'll do fish bowls. Because <laughs> one of the neat things about this winery is they also pair food with music on their last Fridays. Last Fridays. And Gee, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Last Friday of each month we have. Um, During the day or evening? Evening. Good thing, because I'm not going to tell that. Nine, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have um, either a food truck come up, like a local food truck, or there's a restaurant down in Old Willamette called 1933. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Naomi comes. Um, I think you you started us off this season mm -hmm. and maybe end us this and season. And I'm going to do the first and the Thank final you, one. Gratefully, yes. And they've, yeah. pair, they've paired me with a food cart called Right By You. Yes. And it's all like New Orleans style catfish and... Mm. Theron is his name. Theron and Haley. He's from New Orleans, and he is absolutely, they're, they're absolutely fabulous. Mm -hmm. oh, yep. I'm going to be in New Orleans uh, later this year um, doing interviews there uh, in the fall. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to see how things come full circle sometimes. Mm -hmm. so. All the connections. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for having us here in this lovely location. I really want to encourage mm -hmm. listeners to drive up into these hills and visit uh, visit you. And I'll be sure to post all of your information um, in the body of this episode so Thank people can so find much. you. Thank and you so much. can that you order wine on. online and have it shipped? Because this rosé is worth it. Yes, you can do that. It's, um, it's, it's a connection. You'll end up speaking to um, one of our daughters, Courtney. Okay. And then, or myself, and then we'll, it's, it's not like you can f complete it all online. It's a little challenging in Oregon, or most states. And you have to make sure that it's going to a state that will actually allow you to ship it into the state. And there's a few hoops, but I will say yes, absolutely. Okay. You can. would say yes, yes you can. Yes, you can. It's all good. Yeah. And Naomi, um, words can't express adequately, <laughs> express how much uh, I enjoy your music and how much... I admire you as a person and a songwriter, and thank you so much for singing that song. I'm still choked up a little <laughs> bit. Thank you so much. Um, but um, yeah, what an amazing song, and I, I look forward to your, uh, hearing your next single. Um, it's going to be a happy year. one. Oh, thank goodness, because yes. we need some balance. Yes, I thought I, you know. <laughs> I'm going to cry all year long. The single I released at the end of 2018 was kind of melancholy, and then the first one was about death, and so I said, I need a happy song. So my, my song coming up in June, uh -huh. or July, I think is when it'll release, sometime this summer, is going to be called Pictures in the Sky. Oh, that and sounds great. And it's about great. going out in a summer night out in the uh -huh. wilderness look at the stars oh, wow. and taking the time to just breathe deep in the wilderness which is one of my favorite things to do my family has always gone camping at uh, the lakes up in the Deschutes wilderness and one of the things we love to do is just go out down by the water feel the breeze across the water and yes. find the constellations 
And I just want to do a lot of that this summer. Oh, I think that so is So again, it's something that I want to do. So I'm going to write a song about it. All right. Well, um, thank you so much. I'm going to make sure that all of your information and, um, you know, your links to Bandcamp and um, Facebook and all of those wonderful things where that people can get your music um, is online. And of course, your Patreon page, uh, patreon.com forward slash Naomi LaViolette. You got it. Um, and so people can get access to your early releases and um, be part of that creative process. So thank you both so much. Thank you, you, Marty, for supporting me all these years. (laughs) So many years we've been friends. I know (laughs) it's a good. It's a good thing. We should we should keep being friends. It's a let's do that. It's a beneficial thing. (laughs) Slanchava. Oh, slanchava. Oh my gosh, I remember that. All right. I'm your host, jazz singer Marty Mendenhall, sending out special birthday greetings to patron Nina Dunn, and a huge thank you to June Clapp for her support of this show through Patreon.com. Become a patron of this podcast and get your special thank you on the air. Find out about the $1 and $5 perks by joining the fun at Patreon.com forward slash Marty Mendenhall. Thanks so much for listening, and see you next time on Marty's Music Kitchen. Is-